Gaming NBS episode 214 coming to you Wednesday, October 24th, 2018. Welcome to Gaming NBS, Tabletop RPG Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's here. Sean, how the hell are you, man? I am all right, Brett. How are you? Not bad. So, Sean, you recently lost a pet. You lost your dog, Tuck. I did. The 15th of October. That sucks, dude. Yeah, he... That was hard on my wife and I because amongst the obvious, but um, we didn't... I didn't realize, so he had had heart issues for a long time, for probably a year and a half, two years. Oh, yeah. you. I remember talking to you about this. This was, this was some of the reason, like, at um, right. Game Old County, like, hey, I got a jet home. My wife's busy. I had to give the dog meds, do this, that, and the other thing. So Right. And I'm the only one that could pill him. And he was getting a huge cocktail. And right before he passed away, he had pancreatitis. Oh. Which, which had three more pills on top of that twice a day. So he's probably taken, you know- I mean, no lie, probably 20 pills a day. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and we took him in. He wasn't feeling well. We thought, I thought, well, they'll, they'll fix him. You know, he'll be fine. Like it's his heart. That's going to be the issue. And unfortunately, I guess he had cancer throughout all his body. Jesus. Especially in his GI tract where, so the story the vet gave us was imagine your intestine being the size of a quarter. He had a mass blocking his intestine that was four times that size. Oh, that's not good. So, of course, nothing's going through there, and that's a whole problem. And uh, so we we did that. Um, we also got another dog as of yesterday of this recording, which would have been we're recording this on Sunday, the twenty first. So on the twentieth, we adopted another dog, younger dog trying to see if she can get along with our cats. So far, so good? So far, so good. Um, she's, I think, a coon hound, so she probably wants to chase him a little bit every once in a while. But Run him up a tree, bay him. That's good. Yeah, she doesn't bay or bark. I mean, she's barked at like a Roomba that's come after her. Well, it's because it's a fucking, it, it, the dog's smart. It's a robot. The robots must be destroyed. We all know this, Sean. Yeah. So... Oh, my wife's already yelling at upstairs. Ah, just like old times. Yelling at the dog. (laughs) Yelling at the dog or the cat. I don't know what's going on. So, yeah. I told her, if all hell breaks loose, then interrupt me so that there isn't any blood blood all over the place. But yes, um, yep, that's that's the biggest news in my personal life. What about you, Bright Bagged a Deer? Yeah, I got an uh, archery deer, which was really cool. It's yeah. the second archery deer I've ever gotten. I have only been really pushing in the archery hunting stuff for the last few years. It's been really rewarding. I really like it. It's a lot of fun. So I got a nice fat doe. Gee, very yummy. Already had some. And my youngest daughter got the lead in the um, in the little local play going on here in, my, in the town I live in. It's, it's a... Uh, uh, Wizard of Oz Christmas thing. So she gets to be Dorothy. So she's all ecstatic. Thespian. Lots of lines. Yes. Which she's ecstatic about. When she'd found out when she was younger, she was interested, <coughs> excuse me, in theater. And my wife, of course, says, well, your dad did theater in college. 
Really? So then I tell her all the theater stories I have. I didn't have a like long story career like my buddy Lenny or anything, but um, that got her excited. So it was kind of cool. Well, that's great. Yeah. So this will be the third place she's in her first one with any real speaking part. And she's the lead. So we'll see. How, she loves being the center of attention. That's my little girl. <laughs> so I'm not, I don't see her being shocked or afraid or scared of anything. She'll just eat it up as well. For I those think. that have met Brad at a con, does well, that, easy does that now, come uh, as a big surprise? <laughs> so. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Except well, for that one. Except she doesn't for AJ. swear that much. She doesn't except, swear that much. Except for AJ. He can't see shit in the woods. So No. Oh, not, a, not a big hunter, that guy. Oh, he loves it. He loves it. He just can't see anything. It's <laughs> maddening. He's uh he's turned it into a joke now, so it's funny. Has you he? see that? I don't know, Dad. I can't see where the bus is. That's, oh, fuck. That's, that's, that's hilarious. Awesome. That's awesome. So he owns the. He owns it. It's fun. Yeah. All right, man. I guess we should random encounter a sucker. Yeah, we should. Talk about gaming because no one gives you shit about our personal lives. All right. Oh, so we get a voicemail from DM Kojo. Uh oh. This could yeah. be either good or bad. Hell, here we go. Buckle up. Hey, guys. It's DM Kojo. I've really enjoyed some of the last few episodes you guys have put out, some really interesting topics. I was particularly interested in the topic of mapping. Uh, as someone who came up in the old school, mapping was something that we always did, and my gaming groups of adults have typically always mapped, even in our more recent games. But also when I run for uh, middle school kids, they don't map at all. And... uh when they choose not to map, I do suggest that they might want to do that. And when they don't do it and they need to find their way out of the dungeon, if they can't retrace their steps and they don't have a map to go on, then they wander aimlessly. That's the consequence of not mapping. So I don't require it. I recommend it. I think that it's um, part of the experience for me. And so uh, I will sketch things, what a room looks like, if it comes down to it, if it's a odd-shaped room or if it's something confusing. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I typically just describe it. They're expected to map it if they want to. And if not, they just bear the consequences. All right. Great topic. Keep it up. Thanks, guys. Bye. Whew. That wasn't too bad. Coach was just sharp, dude. So I'm like, uh oh, we, we might have hit a nerve or we may have done well. One of the two. That's cool. I ran into uh, my son, AJ, and I, speaking of my boy, AJ, we we're out doing some shopping on Saturday. Um, and I had to get some, I had to get some two by four. So I'm at the local hardware store. And in the process, we run into his buddy, Aiden's dad. And Aiden, I'd forgotten. I, I, I know I run games for Aiden before at either the school gaming club or on AJ's birthday. His dad says, do you run Pathfinder? I'm like, oh, yeah. Aiden's dad used to play like back in the 90s. I said, yes, I've, I've run Pathfinder before. And he says, oh, I bought uh, Aiden the beginner set and I've been running a little bit for him. So he's telling me the story about how he's running. He wants to get Aiden to do something more besides <clears throat> just video games. And um, he very, <laughs> very subtly and very nicely gets me to commit to running a campaign this winter. <laughs> I'm like, oh, apparently I'm running a game. For my son, his buddy, and his buddy's dad. So that's going to happen this winter. But we talked about mapping specifically and how because he wants to – he likes using miniatures and Aiden likes miniatures and so does AJ. 
And they like the little grid movement. I'm going to have to go back to the Office Max and pull out a big uh, one-inch square grid sheet. I go go back to mapping again. But, yeah, that was uh, interesting. So what are you uh, going to run a a winter campaign for them? Yeah, something. Some Pathfinder. Pathfinder. That's what they want to play, Pathfinder. Pathfinder. Going back. I'll tell you, man, I have decided – I can't remember if this was John Wick or somebody else that said this, but there's a certain point when if if you're a group – likes a game and you really seriously have no problems with that game. You might as well just fucking run it. Right. True. I mean, I, I can kick and scream and say, no, I want you all to play, you know, no, we're going to play, you know, invisible sun kids. That's what we're going to play. And they're like, right. I don't want to play invisible sun dad. Too bad. I run well, They're They're not going to play it. They just don't want to. They just don't. It's not going to happen. I don't think that that's what's wrong with today's youth nowadays. Brad. They don't do what they're told. <laughs> <laughs> It would take their game and like it. God damn it. That's not, yeah, that's not happen. But anyway, so, and I think I've, I've mentioned this on the show. Even my home group, I've looked at them. And I'm like, you guys want to play Pathfinder again, don't you? Well, we really like 5e. I just wish it had more Pathfinder stuff to it. Well, kind of like the feats and the thought you want to play Pathfinder. Well, kind of, don't fucking lie to me. You all want to play Pathfinder. Fine. I'll run a Pathfinder game. I don't care. So it's coming back. It's coming back full circle. It's coming back, anyway. ladies and gentlemen. All right. Um, thanks for, uh, the call. Absolutely. Uh, Kojo. Kojo. Thanks, man. Yeah. Hey, Kojo, I don't know if you're coming to, uh, GameholeCon. If not, we will definitely see you at GaryCon. You're coming to GaryCon, aren't you, Sean? I should be at GaryCon. Yeah. I hope Very so. Cool. You know, yeah. what we completely forgot. I'm going to have no. to skip. We, we completely forgot announcements. We did not even talk about announcements. No, we didn't. <clears throat> we totally missed it. So I'm going to, you guys know about EverCon, you know about GameholeCon. I don't give it, push the cons aside, push them aside. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we already talked about that. So I've talked to, I sat down with Phil and Chris from Encoded Designs and, of course, Misdirected Mark Fame. And I've got Bob Everson, the editing machine, going through all my Avalon stuff because my Avalon Kickstarter is going to happen this December. (laughs) So the preliminary, all the documents are written. I've handed them all over to the Encoded crew. Everson's cranking through it. We got John Arcadian hunting down artists and all that good stuff for putting together the plan, what the book's going to contain what extras and goodies that go into it. So yeah, it's coming. It's going to happen this December, early, mid-December. Early actual to mid-December. Date to be de- actual date in December to be determined, but it will happen. So I'm very happy. You're going to be hearing a lot more of this, and I'm saying it right now in the recording because Brett has told me that he brought it up one time before and I shushed him. Yes, you did. You shushed me. You said, Brett, unless you have a date and like you know what you're going to produce, nobody wants to hear about it. Well, so I, I cried a little bit and I drank a lot, let's but now I've, I've gone, th- I've gone through some harder therapy and I've decided I'm going <laughs> to confront you, you bully. I'm going to take this down. I brought it up tonight. <laughs> I know I said, you did. Brett, why <laughs> the fuck are you not pimping Avalon every goddamn episode? And he's like, because you told me I couldn't. And I'm like, now in fairness, I probably didn't think it would be wise if you were doing it in January. And oh yes. Kickstarter wasn't going to be until December. No, but- it was- <laughs> Shit, man. I mean, you could start. It's the perfect storm, though. We just had the conversation uh, Wednesday this last week, so it's the perfect time to bring it back up. So I'll tell you right now, next next episode, we're talking about Avalon. We're going to go through what I'm doing, how it's happening. And I've never done a Kickstarter before myself. Now, Encoded has run them and successfully done so, so I have faith and I know we know what we're doing. Um, but it's kind of my first go at some of the stuff, so I thought, well, and anyway, we'll talk about all that crap next time. So what Brett is saying is that the Kickstarter details and how to run one, quote unquote, run one is mm-hmm. not is not Brett. No, Brett, Brett's going to start talking about his goddamn product. Yes, that he's going to be 
bring into the masses that he's going to tell you why it's so great and how it differs from different settings and how what's unique to Avalon. Yes. This way, all six of the guys I normally game with can buy the book. So that'll be great. Well, hey, man. <laughs> or, or, or maybe Sean will buy one, too. We all ah. know Sean, Sean doesn't even go to my gaming convention, so I don't even think he's going to buy my book. This That's is how far I'll go. Brett may say, hey, Sean, you know, you don't have to buy one. I'm just, I'll comp you one. And I'll be like, no, no, Brett. I'm going to support my partner in crime, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy one. And maybe I'll buy one at the highest level. Maybe Chris will put out like a $1,000 like level where I get to game with you get right. Pro- you, you promising the, that? The author of, <laughs> of the that's setting. What you're doing. That's what you're doing. Well, I don't know if I can afford that <laughs> shit. But. Uh, you did just get a dog, so I'll be I'll be I'll be lenient. Anyway, enough of that. Let's go yeah. back to the random encounter. Holy, talk about random. We jumped out. We jumped in. We're back out. And back well, the in. beauty of editing is I may be able to fix all this. Yeah, but then it'll feel artificial. This is more real experience. Fair. This is this is more like this is how we work. This is so, this is more accurate. This is much more accurate and true to form. All right. Uh, I read the next one. I will read this voicemail. So Jason emails us about maps. Just listen to your episode on maps. Great topic, gents. It was also a fortuitous timing. I'm running our group's last session of Curse of Strahd tonight. I was struggling with how to present the castle, which is ginormous and very complex. To solve this, I placed the architect's plans in a certain higher-level dungeon in the campaign. Now when the group gets to the castle, I'm just going to throw the poster map on the table. This way, I don't need to give cardinal directions for over 80 freaking rooms, and to Brett's point, they get to see the pretty map. I also think it will speed play and perhaps make it possible to wrap the castle in one four session. In one four session? One four-hour session, probably? One four-hour session, yeah. yeah. We'll see how it goes. I'm also taking a unique approach to mapping at Gamehole Con for my Isle of Dread games. It involves a large hex map with lots of blanks, plastic coating, and lots of colored markers. Should be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, thanks, guys, and keep up the great work. Uh, he goes on, oh, so I followed through with my plan even though it went against every grognard bone in my body. All my players heartily approved, and I think I will do that every time going forward. I have a gigantic poster map of a dungeon. Nice. It's so when it comes to like maps, if you got it already done and you can just throw it on the table and not have to draw it as you go, it that's the way to go. Well, I'll tell you the cool thing about Strahd, and I have seen the uh, <clears throat> Strahd's castle. I've, I've played through Ravenloft, and. Um, I like this idea, Jason, of having, you know, hey, here's the architect's plans. Here's the castle. And you can flop that map out there. You could print it. You could even make changes to it, right? If you have, you don't even need mad Photoshop skills. You just take paint or something, just edit it or smudge things or make it a little blurry to add some, <clears throat> add some mystery to the map itself. But there's no reason not to do something like that. And especially in that setting, it seems to fit, right? Where you've got going through the, the Curse of Strahd uh, adventure myself. All the different bits and pieces, it fits that um, gothic genre in my brain anyway, that, hey, I found the thing and here's a map of it. Boom. We will reference this as we go forward. That's a pretty cool idea. I like that. And again, you get to see the pretty fucking map. So that's pretty nice. Very cool. Good job, Jason. All right. So next up, we have Stefan Dragonspawn. Ah, map making stuff. Hello, sexy BSers. It's been a while, but I'm still a loyal listener. Well, Stefan, we never doubted you. We know you're there. 
Okay, he says, about episode 212 concerning maps and those who create some really good ones, I'd like to mention a friend named Zovia. She creates some excellent maps available digitally, and she's expanded to drawing modern and sci-fi maps as well as the ever-popular fantasy genres. You can find her under uh, two patron names, Zovia's Fantasy RPG Maps and Zovia's Sci-Fi Modern RPG Maps. Check out her work. She's amazing. We'll put um, we'll put some in the show notes you can see. It's Z-O-V-Y-A. Z-O-V-Y-A. Yeah, they're going to be in die roll. They'll be in die roll, so you guys can check it out. Keep up the great work, and Sean, only a few months left a year to Kelly. Enjoy it while you still can. And again, links in the die roll. Yeah, I got to really ride this one out, because who knows what 2019 is going to have in store for me. (laughs) Could be bad news. Yeah, I think, and um, yeah, we'll we'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do to end the year of the Kelly in some sort of a... Celebratory drink fashion. We'll see what we can do. Oh, boy. Next to you, sir. John from Cali. So please disregard my first unedited letter. It is less readable. <laughs> Disregarded, John. John, just, just as, as a note, you should see some of the show notes I slop out there for Sean sometimes. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Don't worry, man. Don't worry. Yeah, I don't even look at Brett's notes. They confuse me. Um. I have been listening to your podcast for a while and have thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Uh, And thank you for uh, retaining your sanity. Well, he has enough sanity left in order to write this. He could have easily taken a 2D10 sand loss, been at like a 90 sand, could be down to 70, still still able to move. It's all good. Touche. There have been many topics that I have been tempted to you uh, about, such as when Sean talked about uh, how to make losing sanity, ha, ironically enough, uh, <laughs> more fun through role-playing or how tough it was when Brett had trouble with his long-standing gaming group. Been there and it sucks. However, I find myself writing about clerics and healing of all things. Let me rephrase that. I find myself writing about clerics and healing of all things. In a If in a combat-based game like D&D, and no one wants to be a second-class fighter coupled with a non-combat spell-slinger, cleric, I do not see that as the player's fault. Yes, you can make reasonably effective clerics, but even if you do, everyone is going to want you to take healing spells, and that gets old. Being a support character can be fun, but it's not for everyone. If a game presupposes that there is going to be a healer in most groups, that is a game design problem, not the player's. I know you guys were joking around about too bad for the characters if no one was a cleric. Also, I rather doubt either one of you would want a player to sacrifice their fun so that a group was has healing spells. So, what's the prob- whose problem is it then? The DMs, of course. It's their job to factor that into the adventure. Give the group more potions and healing magic or just drop a <clears throat> NPC cleric into their midst. This makes the game more fun for everyone. That's what I want. And this should be the first job of a DMs. That is, bring to the fun. Uh, a close second is to avoid play whining, which factors in too. <laughs> oh boy. Changing subjects. What are your thoughts about what is the best online platform for role playing? And how do you deal with a large group of high level D and D characters in regards to FaceTime and combat length? I am not running it, but my group is in the Temple of Elemental Evil and nearing its end. 
We play a couple times a month on Fantasy Grounds. It's been fun, and the DM has done a good job, but man, combat takes almost all night, so there's a little chance for FaceTime. Do you guys have any suggestions I can bring back to my group? Thanks, John from California. Sean, have you ever used Fantasy Grounds? I have not. It's a Windows-based platform where somebody's yelling at me right now going, it's Java. And I'm like, yes, it's in Java. So you you have to, like, if I ran it on a Mac, it's going to take some adjustment. Blah, 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 application talk, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I know. Infra- I'm an infrastructure guy. Come on. Well, it's not, if you got a Mac, I don't, a lot of people may not be playing it because of that reason. No, I, I, fair. I mean, I, I've used Roll20 when I've gamed with you online. We've used Roll20. Um, hmm, interesting. So best is going to be relative because I think everybody's going to have an opinion. So I'm always weary of saying, well, this is the best and this is the worst because we could say, here's Roll20 and here are the features and somebody could go, those are the best for me. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is you've got to try them. And that's a P I've not I've yet to try Fantasy Ground. So I think I I'd like either. to try it just to yeah. see, oh my God, this works or oh wow, this really sucks. I've also played over uh Google Hangouts um with no die rolling, except on like at my desk, and nobody bats an eye at that. We've um the misdirected Mark Crew, um, let's see, <clears throat> I shouldn't say crew per se, it's uh, me, Kevin, Tom Flanagan, uh uh, Andy and uh, Sneezak, when we play in, when we are playing, like in my original Avalon game, we're playing Avalon right now where Kevin's running. We use Roll20 basically for character uh, for uh, character sheets and dice roll speed. So all the dice rolls are online, but otherwise we use, um, we end up using a Google Hangout for recording purposes and for video chatty back and forth. So. That seems to be working fine for us. It's goofy because I think you're right, Sean. It's hard to say, oh, this is the best one. I think what it behooves us to go out and try and find different things that work. I don't know if the complaint that John has around the combat taking forever, if that's a fantasy grounds problem or an online problem or the game master slash group problem. Don't know. There was somebody that did a review of Roll20 recently. Because they launched, maybe it was older because I think Hobbs corrected me and said, hey, man, Tomb of Annihilation has been on Roll20 for a while. But that person, this person I'm talking about, did a review because Tomb of Annihilation was launched on Roll20. So they did kind of the review of Roll20. And one of the things that they mentioned was the voice chat and video can be a little wonky. So they've opted to use, I think, Roll20 and then discord for voice okay okay so i know and, and i think they also mentioned that they were hoping that they would get a virtual tabletop that would do combat much more fast expeditiously um where i think it would over like it would calculate everything like at the snap of a hat like you would just click go and it would just resolve stuff, right? So you oh, could, like like in roll twenty, if you if you click on um, your attack, it'll roll the die and tell you the damage. It does, but it's very okay. I gotta wait. First of all, you gotta have players that know the interface. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, and some of them are like, now nah, I hear some people are like, man, I've I run on roll twenty every day, all day, and all you gotta do is just click the button next to the thing you're wanting to roll. So if it's a 
How Chat. goddamn hard is it? Yeah, <laughs> somebody's hard somebody's is yelling, it, right? Somebody's well, yelling at I'll us. I'll tell right you now. what, I'll get my buddy Jeff on there and everybody can coach him on how to use Roll20 because I guarantee he will make it as difficult as possible. I don't know what I'm doing. You're like, Jesus, Jeff, just click on the stupid button next to strength, right? Whatever. Anyways, um, I don't know, I don't know of any. Uh, actually RPG tools have macros that allow you to kind of build. And so does roll 20, but I think RPG tools does even little more. So you can actually custom write macros where you could roll, like write a script for initiative and it's going to take everybody, you know, it just clicks and then it displays all of it. You know, it would be, <laughs> this is one of those things I think where we should, we, we've, we threatened to have a show about online gaming. And I think some of it is like, I use Roll20 because it's free and I just get in there and I do stuff. And I've used, like I said, the G, uh, the Google Hangouts and Fancy Grounds out there and so on. And I think we almost need to, Sean, this might be something you and I got to do like for homework on the side is try to find somebody who's played a number of different platforms who can speak intelligently about them. So we can chat it out. I don't know. Well, There's yeah. Just so much of it's trial and error. I mean, it really is. And that's an interesting piece with a lot of online, with those online tools, you have to, like you said, your buddy Jeff, you've got to put the time in, man. Right. You know, I don't understand how to use a Mac. Just fight. You got to put hours in, dude. Put your time in. I don't understand how to use Linux. Put your time in. You got to figure it out. You have to put effort into the thing. Um, intuitive is great, but it's not, what's intuitive for me is not always intuitive for everybody else. Well, and there's, I mean, how do you define tabletop? I mean, for do you want to use a virtual tabletop or do you just want to use a die roller? Not even a die roller. Do you just want to use Skype so you guys can hear each other? Like, yeah. When you're yeah, sitting yeah. at a table, when you're sitting at an actual table, the only thing that you as a game master or that you are partaking in is rolling the dice, looking at your character sheet, and looking up the rules. Maybe you have a map and some miniatures, maybe. But a lot of it is, as a game master, all I'm doing is conveying the scene and asking what the players do, and then I roll my dice. So when I ran the Streets of Avalon game, we used Roll20, and there was no map. I only used it sure. to have, I had images of a lamplighter, I had images of what a street looked like. It was all very, just, <coughs> excuse me, evocative art was all I used. Otherwise, it was all theater of the mind. And that's what Kevin's doing now. And that's what Tom did when he ran um, ran us through his... Um, uh, Dresden files and even Andy when she was doing her Avanti setting and such it was we had some maps when we got dungeony but otherwise it, in, in Avanti but otherwise it was all theater of the mind which we goes to maybe you just need voice and a white virtual whiteboard that you can just throw crap down on yes so that so it all depends on what you're looking for yeah absolutely alright I'll tell you what though John to go all the way back to what you first started talking about yeah um a design, yeah, you know, the game presupposes that there's going to be a healer in most groups. That's a game design problem and not the players. You know, I think I agree with him. You know, th this concept in D&D &D that you are going to have a, a, a healer, yes. And if you have no one in the group who wants to play one, that, you know, well, that's kind of weird that you design. <laughs> I mean, 4E kind of took that away with different pieces and even 5E. There's not healing surges per se, but there's stuff that other classes can do that have healing-ish type powers. But there is, 
in that game because it's a group activity, there's a presupp- presupposition that somebody will help to keep the party alive. Then there's short rests and other mechanical things help keep you alive in, in 5e game versus some of the OSR stuff. Look, if you're going to play AD&D, you should have a party, a balanced party, that's made up of certain classes. Fighter, thief, cleric, wizard. Magic user, please. I'm sorry, magic user. My apologies. Okay. Yes, you have to have those. You know, and if you're not, well, do I have to tell everybody they're playing it wrong? Nah, I think do we, I have just, to? we can just leave that out there, Sean. Just everybody knows. <laughs> just, just let kidding. it sit. Just let it sit. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. I get I get what John's going with, and I understand, and he he's right. We're we are all, we we would argue the same point, John, if we were listening to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. good stuff, John. Thank you very much, yeah. man. Thanks for writing in. Saul. Hey, Brett and Sean. Brett had me laughing out loud about his son not seeing a deer. <laughs> but really, kids are not that good at finding something. No, they're not. They're terrible <laughs> at it. They're horrible at it. Anyway, carry on. Get, get blood, Brett's blood boiling again. I will point out something on my 15-year-old son's desk, and he will literally scan over the area four times and not see what I am telling him is right in front of him. I can't imagine hiding someone somewhere in the woods where everything looks the same. I would give the kid a bit of slack. Smiley face. I've given him some slack. Like I yeah. said, he's made a joke out of it now. Right. Also, I must have messed up my typing. My wife's name is not Jolene. It's Jolene, as in the Dolly Parton song, Jolene. I know oh. that Brett is really younger than me and might not know who Dolly is, but no fear, Brett. The song has been covered by the White Stripes. But Miley Cyrus did a good rendition of the song. What is kind of funny, my wife, Jolene, has red hair, like the song says. Some <laughs> of the- I do know who Dolly Parton is, just so you know. I know Dolly Parton. Yeah, Carry so on. the name of our podcast is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. Thanks for the shout-out, Saul. So that is a correction on our part, whether we misread it or Saul gave us a misspelling, but it's Jolene. Jolene. Saul and Jolene. Very Gaming cool. Gaming Perspectives. So I will have to put in my podcatcher because I probably couldn't find it because I was looking for Saul and Jolin. I don't know what's going on, but Ciao. now I know. Good stuff, yeah. though. Thanks, Saul. Yeah, thanks, Saul. Sorry about the mix-up, buddy. All right, main topic. All right, Brett. So I want to talk about undead and special foes. What I mean by special foes, I'm talking about those enemies, those critters out there. Fantasy is the easiest one to get into, but there's other things that have this problem. Doing level drain, stat damage, right? Lose my strength, lose my intelligence, lycanthropy, uh, vampirism, all of that stuff. I want to talk about those types of foes and um, what, Sean, I think about them. I remember a lot of hate and vitriol back in the day of um, saying, oh, my God, it's it's you know, it's permanent. It's so difficult to get rid of and so on. So let's just uh, let's talk about this because, you know, hey, Halloween's like what next week or something. Let's talk on. Let's talk crazy ass damage, man. You ready? Oh yeah, man. <clears throat> so, Sean, I like as a game master. I think it's interesting to have foes that do special damage, something that's non-standard instead of whack five hit points, whack twenty hit points, something that hits you, trips you, hits you, does automatic rending, automatic grapple. Um. Oh, oh, oh no! It drained a level. 
Talk about inflicting fear and panic in a player. You just, you go down a level. I, I, what? You know, you can, yeah, I hope they brought their brown pants because this is going (laughs) to get scary, right? (laughs) As a game master, that's funny. As a player, when it happens, when it happens to you, not so much. What happens to the guy next to you? You're like, oh, sucks to be you. <laughs> but you start looking for the way out. Sean, what do you th- what do you think? Do you um, do you like the non standard damage stuff? I well, I kind of do because I'm a little, you know, masochistic like that. A little sociopathic, a little masochistic. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Um, but man, it is it is one where you can. Uh, you can fuck up a party. You like can really that. do a number, yeah. And some of the additions are worse than others. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of that shit was like you permanently lose two levels or you permanently lose a level. And uh, even back in the old days when you had a character that leveling up wasn't all that difficult, if you took your thief and leveled up all the different pickpockets, hide in shadows, move silently, move, uh, we used to keep, I shit you not, like three to four levels we would rewrite character sheets and keep the old ones in a binder with us just in case we lost levels. It was easier to pull out the the level less character sheet than the new one. So Sean, as a player, when you see that stuff, do you go, ah, yes, that's just the, uh, ah, we're spotting, uh, you know, fighting uh, space werewolves. This is just the name of the game. We knew it would be dangerous when we signed on. Do you, um, this special type of damage is non-standard, like auto hits, uh, when like auto grappling or, or uh, like like Anthropia, as I say, or even the level drain and the stat drain. Do you as a player just go, hey, that's just how the game rolls? Or do you hate that when you're playing? Does like well, get your dander up? It depends on what level I am and what I have to go against the beastie, right? Because if I am outgunned, well, yeah, this is going to suck big time. And so I you, you will throw the, the un- of- you'll throw the unfl- <laughs> unfair red flag. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> that sucks. Unfair, unfair. I need, I need to get the hell out of Dodge. Like, I'm not an idiot. My player character could be an idiot. I'm not always. I can be an idiot, but not always. Like, man, it's it's time to go. Like, well, level drain, man. I'm fifth level, and they're doing a level at a time. I'll be dead soon. A couple of hits, man, and I'm going to be vampire toast. Or if you're losing stats, right? You're dropping con. Oh. Well, then you become worthless almost. Yeah. Yeah. And if nothing else, just the math to have to figure out. Well, I don't have a plus five to hit anymore. It's now like a negative three. Okay, carry the two minus a, ah, fuck, pain in the ass. But as a player, <clears throat> I think I'm with you where it was when that type of thing hits, especially if you're unprepared, where it shocks you. We're like, oh, my God, I don't know. Ah, can can we damage this? Do we have the strength? Can what what? How do we fix that problem? Especially if you if you see it as like unfixable or permanent in some way, it causes players, at least me as a player, to go, Marines, we are leaving. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm out. You know, just bail. So I think it's a it's one of the ways if as, as a game master, if I've ever thought about, I wonder how to make players run away, especially an old school game. You throw a creature at them that drains something that they can't just get back after a night's sleep. Because one of the first things the player will ask you when you do damage like that, well, how long does the strength damage last? The proper answer is, you don't know, right? Because unless they happen to have read the monster manual, they don't know. Or they've never encountered a white or a wraith or a, <clears throat> or a you know, 
con-sucking vampire monster from outer space. They've never encountered such a thing. Oh, my God, how long does this last? You don't know. So that lets them run rampant, and they're like, oh, my God, this this could be permanent. It could last for days, weeks. I might be out of commission forever. Run away! So I think it's um, uh, I think it's got a, a place in causing... It's a one hit, one failed save can automatically invoke terror in some players. You with me, Sean? Yeah, and I think they might have softened it up a little bit in 5e. Oh, just a little bit. Right. Did it wussy? Well, I'm looking at Vampire Lord right now. Mm. You know, it's he or she is one bad mofo. But. Yes. You know, I I don't know with um, Soul Drain. You know what it does, Brett? Not offhand. I have to look that back up. So Soul Drain does 10d6 plus 7 necrotic damage. And the target makes a DC 23 con save or the vampire, uh, okay, or throw, okay, or the vampire regains hit points equal to the necrotic damage dealt. All right, just as a standard, they say as a hit, you know, in 5e it says you can roll the damage or you can just take this fixed number. The fixed number is 42. So the player character's total hit points, so uh, regains. So the vampire gets those. In addition, if the target fails the con saving throw, the target's hit point maximum is reduced by the amount of damage dealt. Ooh. So if you're a 100 hit point character, boom, they hit you for 42 damage. Now your maximum is 58. Not, not so good. 58. Boom. That's your max now. That's the suck. And then if the hit points gained restores the Vampire Lord to its hit point maximum, it gains the excess as temporary hit points. So he can go over his max, and then a humanoid slain in this way, and then buried in the ground, rises the following night as a vampire spawn under the vampire's control. Self-sketchy, dangerous. See, but it's very, you know, roll con save. Hey, I made it. Okay, that doesn't happen. And even if it did happen, you'd take a shit ton of damage. Mm-hmm. But you're also fighting a, God, what CR is this thing? Challenge 25. CRs are for the weak. Challenge Sorry. rating. <laughs> it's, it's tough, yeah. It's a challenge rating 25 baddie. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be pretty high level. Yes. Yes, you should be. So it's going to be hard to hit you. So I think it's kind of kind of, kind of, kind of a wash. Us. I do think it's kind of a wash. I mean, all right, so he hits you for that. For that amount of damage. So do you are you saying you yearn for the old days where you're like, look, you hit that, you failed your save, or it just automatically drains your your levels? Yeah, man. You like that shit? That's bad news. I'll tell you, man, the the long term, I mean, what we're getting at is long term crippling types of damage. Right. I mean, even if so, even if you're fighting fighting the vampire lord or a shadow or a wraith, or you've got some space creature that, you know sucks the life out of you or um, some weird thing that plants an egg in your chest that will erupt later on. It's long-term. It's horrible. It's going to kill you if you don't do something about it. There is... um, The fear is that you can't fix it, right? The biggest thing I remember happening is that what happened to me as a player, it's been a long time since I've had this type of creature attack any one of my characters, but... As a player, the fear is like, fuck, I don't even know how to fix this. Or the only way to fix it is by a heal spell, which is a high-level spell, or this crazy-ass 
remove curse cast by a 10th level mage or cleric or something. It was this, fuck, I don't even know a dude or, or a gal who has this power. Where do I even find a sorceress supreme and, and beg her to cast this? I don't even know where the hell to find this. I'm just cursed with this horrible disease or I will eventually turn into a specter or something. There's nothing I can do about it. That <clears throat> it's almost like this, um, that type of crazy crippling damage, there is an agency loss that is you just see slowly ripping away from the players. Like, look, I'm taking your character from you, but it'll take time, right? So I think the there's a couple of ways to, to approach this type of damage um, when something happens like that. And so, Sean, do you see it as just... I mean, I look at it this way. I've got three different things listed here. It's kind of the, <laughs> I saw three different approaches to it. Like, look, as a game master, even as a player, look, I go, hey, look, it's just tough luck. Suck it up, kids. This is how this is how the game goes. Or do we see it as like a plot point, right? If there's a monster that does this or a creature that that employs this type of long-term crippling eventual death or permanent type of damage, are we talking about it needs to be carefully considered a plot perspective? And then when it's done, is there is there... Um, assuming you survive, run away, or defeat the creature, do you should you assume that there's a quest of some sort to go find and cure, or um, is it just you know some a, another approach? Is there a different mix of that, or you're like, look, you know, the only way I would throw it at them is if I knew full well that it was a balanced encounter that I wouldn't do it to the party unless they I had a really good feeling that they should be able to overcome it. Does any of that ring a bell to you, Sean? What are you thinking? Man, I don't know. No, <laughs> dude. I'm reading Wraith from AD&D. <clears throat> First or second? Uh, that is a good question, and I can't tell. I think it's just, it's from the, um, I think it's from Monstrous Manual. So it's got to be first, right? How would I tell? Is there a way? Yeah, give me, <clears throat> what's the stats? For what? What do you want what, to know? What does it do? Tell me what it does. So, special attacks, energy drain. Okay. Um, the touch of a rate does damage in two ways. First, the chilling effect of the touch inflicts one to six points of damage. Even a creature is immune to cold. Second, such a hit drains a level of experience from its victim. This includes hit points and all abilities associated with that level, such as spell casting or combat ability. <laughs> the damage from the chill can be healed normally. But the experience points are gone forever. That sounds very first edition. And must be earned again or magically restored. Wow. Yeah, and race are immune to normal weapons. Passes through its body. Silver weapons cause only half damage. Magical weapons inflict their full damage. See, so that's serious. That's serious fuck up a character person, man. Yeah, and they are a so hit dice because that's how they're measured. It's a five plus three hit die monster with a hit armor class of fifteen. Um, hit points. I don't think it's so. Back in the it. day, uh, uh, first edition Wraith had a armor class of four. Uh, Razor Undead, similar, blah, blah, blah. In addition to the chilling effect of its touch, one to six hit points of damage. A Wraith drains on life energy at the rate of one per hit. Just as a white does, yeah, similar to a wraith construct, only by silvered weapons. Yeah. Which causes, man, oh, Lord. 
He's reading the same shit. Yeah, I am. I'm just, I'm just double checking. Damn, damn, damn. Tough, yeah. tough, tough. Yes. 2000 XV value. Yeah. Two grand. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when it's gone, it's fucking gone. When it hits you, it just sucks life away. That's a brutal thing. I remember a buddy of mine, we would be playing D&D. He loved playing AD&D. We were, and uh, Schneider would play a thief. He loved thieves. And we'd be doing something. We'd have a party. And um, he'd go in there and he would always attack Schneider with, uh, Dave Schneider was his name. And he always attacked Schneider with undead. He's like, Dude, Chafe, I'm 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 a, I'm a thief. There's undead everywhere. I can't find them, steal them. You can't backstab them because they're really, really, dude. Everything I can't hurt. It was just like this, and it was terrifying. It was absolutely fucking terrifying to get hit by something like that that would suck that stuff off of you. My God. So yeah. do you do you like that? Do you do you look at that? And go, ah, yes, that's how we ought to do it today. Oh, or man. what do you think? It's no reason they've nerfed the crap out of that stuff. I mean, seriously, <laughs> how many people would be in our hobby? Are, Brett. Yeah. It's made us tough. It did. It made us tough, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, kids, you got it weak these days. You get yeah. saving throws and all this kooky shit. That's not even a save, man. That's just, hey, I'm no, gonna it just does to, it. I'm gonna hit you. I'm gonna try to hit you, and if it hits you, this is what it's gonna happen. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, it's not good. And I don't know how easy it is for a Wraith at a five hit dice creature to hit you. I can't imagine it's that hard. A specter, its touch Ooh. does one to eight and drains two life energy levels from the opponent. <laughs> the latter due to negative force. Thus, an eleventh level character or eleventh hit die creature struck by a specter would suffer one to eight hit points of damage, plus loss of level ability, hit dice, etc. Such loss is permanent. But characters can regain lost levels through continued acquisition of experience points. Of course, you start over. Certain magic might restore lost levels as well. Well, here's the deal with that, which a lot of people that haven't played that edition probably aren't aware of. Is that in AD&D, well, even with D&D, like as you get pro- progressively higher, you have a lot of experience points from one level to the next. So when they knock one or two levels off of you, you're talking like, I mean, if you're a 10th level person, what do you get knocked down like 20,000? Well, yeah, that, that was also a game back at that point when it was the acquisition of experience points. This is a different topic, but it was a, it was measured Five cobalt equals this. Demogorgon equals that. You know, five drunks in tavern equal this other thing. So, <sighs> but anyway, what? <laughs> excuse me. When we're talking permanent damage like that, Sean, and even in a even in a five E game, right? So we 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 jokingly or not quite so jokingly say it's been nerfed or it's been simplified or it's not quite as bad. There are still plenty of things that cause problems like this. Whether you know, regardless of the game you're playing, um. You look at like Call of Cthulhu and or even in Gumshoe City, if you get shot, you're fucking shot. Right? right. And some of the modern games, you get shot, you're not, you don't just go to the healer. You're shot. Wow. You lost your arm. You were in the hospital. You don't have an arm back. Why? Because it's 1930. There's no one regenerates limbs. This doesn't happen, kids. This is crippling. That's one of the things that makes, you know, a Call of Cthulhu game absolutely fucking terrifying is when you get hurt by the cultist and he stabs you he fucking stabbed you and you're bleeding this sucks you can't just go drink a healing potion you can't just go apply first aid you need hospital time for some of this stuff you are down and out 
And I think it's the down and out component of it, that crippling damage, the thing that takes a really long time or special powerful magics or, or high-end sci-fi gear just to help you get through it. In some games, like AD&D, it's part and parcel. Call Cthulhu, hey, you get shot, you're fucking dead. You don't don't get shot. Gumshoe, you get the fuck beat out of you, dude. You, you ain't getting back up. <clears throat> it's one of those things where I think you need to explain. <laughs> you may need to explain to people if they've never played this before, just so you know, this is the types of damage that happen, and this is how this type of thing functions. Um, even if it's not a session one thing, at some point you go, oh, just so you know, y'all get shot. Y'all might be fucked for a very, very long time. Or, hey, when the thing drains your sanity, you don't just get that back overnight. You just don't go to the, you know, drink a magic potion of sanity rest- restoration in Cthulhu and get it back. When the Wraith drains two or the Spectre drains two levels from you, you just lost two levels. Like, no bullshit. This just happens. Holy crap. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, that's one of those pieces where I, I think... Sometimes, you know, I, I said before, the proper answer, kind of joking, kind of not, is, well, how long does this last? You don't know. Yeah. But when it's a new rule like this, right, if the first time your character's ever encountered a specter, um, players will take different courses of action if they know something is permanent or really, really difficult to fix. The first time someone gets shot in Call of Cthulhu, and they've been playing D&D or Pathfinder or Rollmaster or Dungeon World or whatever. And they get fucking shot. And it says, hey, just so you know, <clears throat> you now have a minus blah on your rolls. You have this problem, this problem. And it will take you four weeks in a hospital to fix that wound damage. Holy fuck, we need to leave. We need to knock in, not get into any more gunfire. I need to make another player character just to keep the adventure going because they can't be here. I think these types of things... So my general approach is that when I'm going to use something like this, even in a first edition game, I have a plan for it. It's a carefully used thing, whether it be a save or die trap or um, or a special anything that does special damage like this, especially your monsters. Um, I plant it there. I'm using it as um, on purpose. Right. It's not just a random encounter uh, and so on. Um, so that it, it doesn't, I mean, it's still completely dangerous, whatever. And if the players don't know what it is, you know, maybe make a wisdom save or check or, uh, something to help figure out what it is or, or, <clears throat> or whatnot. But it helps to, um, to not have that stuff just kind of capriciously destroying characters. Although again, some people, at least that's Brett's perspective. Some people could give a fuck and would just, oh, sorry, capriciously killed your character. That's just, that's the way the game functioned or functions and that's just how it goes. So Sean, given what we just talked about, what do you how do you like to de- how would you deploy such a thing? You know, a specter. If I was playing AD&D, it, I'd roll with it. Too bad like, kids. Yeah, it's kind of the breaks. That's that game. That's a very good point. Yeah, it's a very good point. So I mean, I kind of talked myself into that at the tail end there, but I well, think you're right. I think it's that game. So when you when you run that game or you're playing in that game, you're going to get probably more magic items. The magic items are going to probably be more um, prevalent. They're going to carry more weight. There is a certain expectation in that game that's just different than 5e. So 5e, I'd let it roll too. And a lot of it's based around 
I mean, I know you're not a big believer in um, balance, balance, or yeah, the um, yeah, the CR rating, but they aren't when you're going up against a vampire lord and they're a CR 25, you're probably somewhere in the ballpark. So here's, unless, unless <clears throat> Brett's whipping out a vampire lord on first level characters, in which case I'd be like, what in the hell are you doing, dude? I, I know they were third, but I just use it to terrify the people. Well, that's true. You could use <clears throat> it as more of a story driven device than, yeah. than big bads coming down. I mean, cause let's face it. If the vampire lord wanted to eat them, they, he would just, he or she would just do it. But I also, so I think, but I mean, with a lot of the, well, well to, you get to the roll point, saving throw. Okay. Well, it's not yep. that bad. Right. To your point, I mean, you look at the uh, Humble Rot Grub has one hit point from first edition. Um, small creatures will viciously burrow into any living flesh. Um, victim must immediately apply flame to the wound, which takes one to six hit point damage per application, or have a cure disease cast upon him. Otherwise, the Rot Grubs burrow to the heart and kill their host in one to three turns. You either do something immediately or you're dead. Well, and one to three turns is a you, while. You have to have those things done. If you've never encountered a rock rub before, you don't know what it's going to do. Oh. One to three turns, uh, it goes pretty fast. That's true. <laughs> just the, sometimes I look back on that stuff. I'm like, how did we, how did we ever play that goddamn game and not lose our com- complete shit on Game Masters? No, run think it. about the number of times you did lose your complete shit on Game Masters That's when true. you died for no fucking reason. You freaking dick. You did that on purpose. You're yeah. an ass. I can't believe you're throwing a freaking specter at us so soon. But now you can't, well, you know, and that was most likely in Brett's opinion, the, the, the genesis of the, uh, of the whole, uh, CR thing. You're like, how do you help people figure it out? Because <clears throat> when we were kids, you start pulling things together. Like, Oh, this looks cool. This looks fun. Oh, wow. This monster would be neat. I've never used this monster before. And you pull it out and you go, Oh my God, it decimated the party. Sorry about that. Like here's one from the old fiend folio, the gold bug. One of my favorites. It's a beetle with a flattened circular body in a golden shell, the size and shape of a gold piece. It's a very sluggish creature and spends most of its time asleep, often choosing to lie on a pile of gold coins as its bed. Only on very close examination will distinguish it from coins in which it lies. you got to describe this to me. There's no rule to find this. Right. Thus, it has no treasure of its own. It habits that of others. When disturbed, it inflicts a poisonous bite like that of a large spider, which does one of her hit points of damage, who must also save versus poison or die. <laughs> or die. Your gold coin kills you. Yep. You reached into your pouch to pay for that beer at the local yeah. pub, and now you're freaking good. And now you're dead. Now you're dead. Now, I think- That's to, to, crazy, to our, man. <laughs> to our point, that's that game, right? Right, that is. <laughs> and you look at the game systems, and this kind of goes to the magic items and some of the other things we've talked about um, for when we've looked back at different variations. And like when you're playing Call of Cthulhu, you're not supposed to get in fights, Right, not right. especially not gunfights. You are not, you know. It's a it's a thinking man's or thinking yeah. woman's game. Yeah, you're not supposed to, you know, shoot, you know, the shoggoth. You're supposed to run away from the shoggoth. You're not supposed to kill, you know, the bayaki. You're supposed to figure out a way to get rid of the bayaki. That's the that's the point. And in a D and D game like that, it is there's a craziness and insanity to it. You're supposed to have ways, means, thinking 
critically, like, hey, I want to poke this pile of treasure. I want to dump water on it. I want to do different. You know, you've encountered it once. You learned as a player. You sort different things out. You see a specter. You either run or you pull. That's where the cleric shows up. He's not just a walking healing machine. She also casts, you know, she also has, you know, the, the turn undead power and so forth and blah, blah, blah. So this stuff is <clears throat> that style of game. It, it's really in there. And I think it's when I have seen people online and folks have talked to say, oh, I want to bring that aspect into my 5e game. <laughs> it freaks me. It freaks, and rightfully so, freaks people right the fuck out. Because like, wow, my fifth level fighter lost permanently two levels. What the? No saving throw? Sorry, save or die. You know, it doesn't really exist in some of your, your more modern games. But I think... Um, even the stuff that is in within, within 5e and we joke, I don't know another phrase. So we say modern game, but in these types of games, permanent damage or lingering, you know, crippling type of injury where you like, look, you'll, you will turn into a lycanthrope by the next full moon. Okay. So I got 30 days to figure this out. Right. So when I do something like that, it's usually done as a story plot or it, I allow it to quickly become one. So if somebody's lost, if half the party lost half their levels and they can no longer fight the undead Lich Lord's armies, which are doing whatever, or they can no longer delve into the dungeon, they have to retreat. So when something that like that happens, as a game master, I think it's incumbent on us, even as a player, to say, okay, we have to retool what we're going after. If we were going to the left, we may have to take a pause and go back and clear out that Cobalt Warren. Or, hey, guess what? We have to go back to the library and sort this out because Bobby just got bitten by a, by what we think is a wear at. I don't think she's going to make it. Bobby, how you doing? I don't know. I really like cheese. This is bad. This is really fucking bad. You know, it, it, when this type of stuff happens, I think it is natural for the players to drop everything and try to figure out a way to fix that problem. It's a big goddamn problem. Regaining a level, curing lycanthropy, restoring lost statistics, um, figure out how to rest, recuperate, and so on when you've gotten shot in a game where you know getting shot does incredible amounts of damage. I think that's natural, and I think as a game master, we need to allow that to happen. And when you do that, you encourage the players, <clears throat> excuse me, to solve that problem. How do I cure lycanthropy? How do I get my levels back? How, what can I do? Can I go talk to the mage that lives on the in the mountain? Can I go talk to the dude on the other planet to go sort this out? What I have found is that when I let them do that and I encourage them to go through it and, and make that kind of adventure-y, so in the process of sorting this out, they start gaining stuff and gaining knowledge and so on, they don't turtle. Because the the fear is, as a game master, I've seen it and I've done it, when you wallop somebody, boom, all six of you are now three levels shorter. Fuck me. They stop adventuring, essentially. They turtle. They go to their safe house. They lock down. They don't do anything. They're like, you know what? We couldn't defeat the Lich King anyway. Let him let him kill the world. I'm going to the desert. You can help divert the turtle effect and stop them from sucking themselves in like that and help them figure out how to solve the problem that you just bestowed upon them. Even if it's a random roll, I say capricious um, far too much here, but even if it's just a random encounter and they are hit by a wraith or a specter or and it, and it, or a gold bug, <laughs> it does something horrible or a rot grub. And you got, oh my God, we have three turns. Let them refocus on that problem for a while. Let them role play through it. Let them figure that stuff out. And I think you, I think your game will be better for it. And the players will have less chance, in my experience anyway, 
of going turtle on you and not popping not popping back out of their shells. Well, that's why losing a character at such a level or or encountering that or that's why we played like you know, I'm not going in there, I'm not doing that. It's crazy, you know. So it's yeah, it's nuts. It is. But, I just there's there's something fun about it though. I, I think it's kind of um that's one of the reasons I still like the old school games and I still like uh, Call of Cthulhu and the horror games where you don't just get healed overnight. Or if you do, <laughs> that's not that's not good. That's not good. Your arm grew back. What are you tainted with? Oh, it has a horrible greenish hue and slightly scaly arm. That's terrible. Yeah. You shouldn't have drank that um serpent man's potion, you know, that that type of thing. Yeah. But anyway. So Sean, what do you what do you think about all this? What, does this make you want to do this to somebody? Make you want to drag it into five E and cripple some players? No, characters, not, characters, not, not, not in five E. And five E is a different game. I would run five E as it is. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to bring those crazier times into this game. I think it it's a pretty decent power curve. Um so even in your other games like your your modern game, um well, Savage, Savage Rules can be pretty fucking deadly. When people are shooting at each other with guns or whatever, you just like, hey, you know, you get shot, you die. Is it just kind of because it's the type of game you kind of rolled it? Yeah. I mean, there's RPGs that are more lethal, that are quote unquote more realistic than I can understand. I mean, you know, Cold Shadows is kind of like that. You know, you, yeah. you pull out a gun and you shoot an agent and you're playing a particular rule set, you're you're kind of done. Or you take wounds. You can take wounds, but. You know, they're, they're more lethal, but that's the type of simulation you're trying to, you know, establish and foster versus D&D's kind of nutty. AD&D, AD&D is more nutty. Like, it's just nutty. It's like, a level. It's a it's level amazing, of nutty that it all fits. It's amazing anybody levels up in that damn game. It really, like, I mean, <laughs> and that's why I think some people, when they run into these issues, and I mean, because you can be what I would consider dickhead GM, because you could just implement these all these crazy. Oh yeah, gold cavern beetle. full of specters, yeah. lycanthropes, and uh, gold bugs all, all all piled up for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one after the other. In which case, you really are stacking the odds against the player character from even surviving through third level. So I've never done this, and this I just reminded myself of this. I've always wanted to have somebody attacking a kobold warren or a goblin caves. And when they do the murder holes, instead yeah. of instead of boiling oil, it's like lukewarm water full of rot grubs. <laughs> just showering the party full of rot grubs. I think that'd just be yeah, that'd be a hell of a way to go. Easy money, <clears throat> easy money, easy money. And there's the end of your campaign. And you're done. And you're done. Let's. What are we gonna do next, guys? <laughs> what do you want to do? Next? <laughs> Wait, where are you going? Okay, come on, you make some guys, slam guys, come on, pretty much, (laughs) yeah, yeah, and then never mind another player character in your party that wants to run after that, and then you're the player, (laughs) yeah. Talk about you know walking on eggshells after that. Brett, you die. What? You just fucking die. (laughs) Why? Silver piece eats your head. What? What the hell? Yeah. Good times. All right, man. So I'm sure I'm sure we talked around and didn't actually get to a solid point there. Kind no. of thought we might, but it's just our commentary. I do. I I like I do like some of this stuff, and the reason I like it is because of the um, the refocus that happens to a group um, where they change and suddenly 
something becomes a lot more important to them than killing monsters and taking their stuff. Self-preservation becomes a big deal. Yeah. And uh, I think if you do it right, players don't turtle on you, as I said. And I think it can uh, can be fun. But sometimes they might want to use it sparingly or at least judiciously, lest uh, the table flipping occur. So anyway, you guys got thoughts? Men and women got thoughts and ideas and concepts out there that we missed? Let us know. I'm sure we're wrong somewhere. Daryl. I got one. Do it, Brett. So there's this rancher in Arizona, Sean. He's yeah. uh he's selling his ranch. Okay. And uh seems like he's doing uh he's it's not too big a deal. It's only a nine, uh, about nine and a half, nine and almost three quarters horse ranch. He's tired of fighting aliens with his samurai sword. Yeah, I, w- um, I would be too. I'd have to get yeah. a laser gun. Yeah, he he claims he's slain nineteen aliens with samurai wow. swords, and he's a wife of endured abduction attempts. Yes. Unless you cut the head off, quote, unless you cut the head off and disconnect the antennae, so to speak, they instantly phone home. Even with a razor-sharp sword, it's nearly impossible to decapitate them with one swing, he writes. So, well, you, uh, yeah. You this know what, is, Brett? Uh, this is things. That's real-life X-Files, man. This is, uh, this Mulder is shit and, that- Mulder and Scully are down there investigating it, and we will never know. No, we won't. But this is shit, you read this, and you're like, oh my God. Even if it's a quasi-joke- as soon as I said that, most of us went, yeah, I could I could see that. There's some crazy son of a bitch out there <laughs> who thinks he's doing this. And his wife is insane too. The the couple this couple is insane. Or they're doing it as a as a gag. Yeah, they're doing it as a gag to try to get crazy people to buy their ranch because they're really desperate. Or are they acting desperate? Really is a thing. So hey, plot. There you go. There Sean, you go. over to you. Uh, the first one, I didn't know if people knew this. This is kind of old news. I think it's from May of 2018, but I wanted to bring it up. Because I think it's quite an accomplishment for a role playing game, um, and it and it's just something that um, uh, that the authors and publishers and contributors to Harlem Unbound um, should be recognized for. So they, for those of you not in the know, um, the game itself is going to be housed at the Met- Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, uh, the Smithsonian Institute. Uh, an Anacostia Community Museum in D.C., Washington, D.C., and Newark Museum in Newark, New Jersey. Now, we'll have a link to EN World's post about this, um, but there, as far as some people have said, there isn't any records of like RPGs stocked in museums. Crazy enough. But Harlem Unbound is or will be. Probably as of this recording will be. So I've heard that they're going to do a second edition or reprint of it. I'm not sure. I know. I'm pretty sure that their cover won an award at the Ennies or something along those lines. So, I'm yeah. sure we talked about it. So it's. Um, well, they've won, won three Ennies. Yes, that's right. Harlem, yeah. Um, so big recognition um, to Harlem Unbound. And Chris Spiver. Spy, I think it's. Is it Spivers? Chris Spivers. Oh, my God. Good grief. Uh, I better look it up before I can. uh, Oh, yes. The second edition to be published by Chaosium. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So Chris Bivey. Yes. It's the kind of the the mind behind that product. Um, Second edition to be published by Chaosium. Very cool. So that'll be interesting. Next one, D&D Art is finally getting the respect it deserves. So there's an article in Wired Magazine. They actually, I was listening to Wired the geek, the geek show that they have. 
and they had um how's your auto quality sean yeah yeah for wired i thought it would have been a lot better but that's just me Um, anyway but it was a good um a gentleman that was on there and i apologize i don't have their names i think it was a mr whitwer and i can't remember the other person but um it was the uh one of the people that were involved with the, the arts and arcana book that's out and then also a documentary on the art of D D. so but Anyways, I think that's probably listed in the article, if I'm not mistaken. And it's probably where the podcast derived from. Cool. Anyways, uh, my third one, Dreams in Gary's Basement, a documentary on Gary Gygax, Gygax, which is a Kickstarter by my buddy, Pat Kilbane. Um, It's already been funded and it goes until November 15th, 2018. If you want to grab a digital version of that, I'm sure Pat and the crew that worked on that would be um, appreciative of that. So sure. check it out. Very cool. Let's see. Yeah. Listeners hit us up. We had Kevthu got, uh, we got linked to some portals in London, some pretty cool stuff. If you're running a book counts in London or any game type of thing, and, uh, take these type of settings and ideas and you can move them anywhere you'd want. So it's some pretty good stuff. So thank you, Kevin. Always good. And, uh, Zoya's fantasy RPG or sci-fi modern maps, uh, Stefan pointed out. So we got the links down there as promised. Then Diogo, Noguera um, blogged about differentiating characters without mechanics. So Diogo listened to our show and said, well, I need to elaborate on this a little bit. So he did a blog entry. We'll have a link to his blog. You can read more about his take on differentiating characters without mechanics. Thanks I, for, thanks Diogo for writing that, by the way. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I, um, I think Shane Freeman posted this up in our, in our group drew our attention to it. Yeah, and, Diogo um, should have let us know. Like, hey, yeah. I wrote Dude, this thing. Hit me. I'd be like, yeah. So she brought was it cool. to our attention. Yeah, it's a quick, it's a quick read, but Diogo, that was really, it was well done, and um, I like it. I like what you did there. So very cool stuff. I strongly encourage folks to check it out. So thanks to Shane for bringing it to our attention, and mm-hmm. then Diogo for for writing it up and elaborating a little bit more on something we touched on. Brett, Avalon next week. Avalon, ladies and gentlemen. What is all this crazy hype? What is this thing called crazy Avalon? What is this it. thing called Avalon? Uh-huh. It's you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna try to you're gonna try to make it sound better than it is, and I'm gonna feel like an idiot. That's Come on, man. I'm you, teasing, I'm teasing. Brett is It'll be fun. Is, Brett I'm isn't sorry. always that humble, ladies and gentlemen. Eat right. it up while you can. I'm all right, I'll try. <laughs> not you, you dork. The other oh. the, the listeners. I was born to be self-deprecating, so it's, it's hard right. not to sometimes. That's true. Brett is a humble guy. All right. Well, hey, this has been another episode of Gaming to BS. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Andy Hall, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Remy Billado, Jason Hobbs, Wayne Humphrey, James Carpio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Brandon Barnes, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Lost Sailor, Misdirected Mark Productions, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, With Static, Alexander Auerbach, Neil Benson, Chris Steele, Eric Hoffman, Kyle Winter, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Mark Tasaka, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Craig Hubier, Xavier G, JV, John Hammersley, The Closet Gamer, John Steve, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Chad Gleyman, Sky, Roger Braslett, Craig, 
Howard Bishop, Jim Fitzpatrick, Peter Skeins, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Eli Kurtz, Edwin Nagy, Bruce Cunnington, Tim Shorts, Angus, Rolfer Guild, Gordon Cranford, Eric Salzweedle, Matt Cyberlick, Jack Neller, Robert Nemeth, Eric Ponce, Palladian, Ron Blessing, Brian Kurtz, Knights of the Night Crew, Laramie Wall, Evan Harrison Cass, Malcolm Cool, Blake Ryan, Jared Rasher, Todd McGowan, Kevin Lovecraft, Perry Besor, and Ray Otis. For ways to support the show, head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers! This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.